Welcome to the podcast, Cutting for Sign. I'm Ron Cecil, men's life coach and writer, together with my co-host, best friend and artist, Daniel Penner-Klein. Throughout our lives and as friends over the past decade, we've asked, how do we find the clues and puzzle pieces that align us with our higher potential? Join us as we converse with experts, artists, adventurers, mental health professionals, and fellow deep thinkers as we cut for sign and attune our own potential, mental health, and creativity. The bad white man calling the devil. The Yavapai calling eyes like the sky. Everybody, welcome to Cutting for Sign. My name is Ron Cecil. Hello, Daniel. Hey, all right. What's up? Uh, well, it's another episode, and I'm ready to cut for sign of my own life. <laughs> we just we we just did a draw, and I guess maybe missed, and so like started another draw. Are we drawing are we drawing Dude, back too. That happens. The draw has that happens big time. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you. I call it the I call it the quality of life tax. <laughs> or the archery tax okay <laughs> that you uh you know you pull that the string back you release that arrow and it just whiffs i mean doesn't get anywhere near the target and it's off into the hinterlands gone forever okay so <laughs> so uh cutting for sign is a metaphor for uh old tracking ter- it is an old tracking term right cutting for sign you're looking at signs little twigs to try to track something and then cutting that is like finding what it means so we're using that as a metaphor for life right yeah so we just whiffed, but in the real world, in hunting, in uh, archery and in bow hunting, do you ever shoot, miss, barely miss, and it whizzed by the animal, and then they're just like looking, and then you have time, and you can do it again, or are they no, gone? they're gone, they're gone every single time. Yeah, they're they're. Not, I mean, I, I have very little experience of that, but from what I understand about animals, is is deer in particular are so quick with the sound, is that they'll actually duck first in order to load for a for a jump out to escape and in that duck they will often duck underneath an arrow flight and uh and then they're gone they're so twitchy they're like squirrels like they uh, heard it before it got yeah, to them and, yeah they oh they heard the, the the twang of the string the beforehand and so in the draw for us you know we're pulling the air the string back for it to get us loaded for this conversation Megan's gone. Fuck you guys. (laughs) (laughs) It would be better if that was Beth Ann standing. She's like the human herd, right? She's like, dude, I sensed it in the forest. You guys fucked up. I'm out of (laughs) here. By the way, if anyone's listening, Beth Ann standing, that conversation is fucking gangster. Go listen to it. She's awesome. That is such a good conversation. I've returned to that human herd like idea so many times. I can't, that's her, her books on my list. I got to jump into that one. You know, uh, I'm bummed about our first draw, losing it a little bit though, because we had some hot bank Banksy talk. It's gone. Mm. Sorry, man. Well, <laughs> the world will to... not get to experience <laughs> our Banksy conversation. <laughs> no, no, it's like Robin Hood, like the old 1960s uh, um, cartoon Robin Hood, where he shoots the arrow, but that little fucker like butted his 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 bow up, and then he loads another arrow, shoots it, it hits the back of that arrow, spins the first arrow down, and then he like hits the bullseye. That's what I want to do with this draw. All right, let's try it. Let's try it. Okay, man. So Megan is a, the our guest coming on is a coach for writers and uh, and for for me, man, that's that's significant. I'm I am a reluctant 
self-described writer and artist and you called me out on that yesterday in particular and and if anyone's new to this podcast they've heard me talk about writing for the, for the last two years they've heard me talk about writing my book for a lot or a book for the last two years and and it's kind of time to put this book to bed i mean part of me understands that writing a book could take years and years i mean one of my favorite books all the light um all the light we cannot see which won a Pulitzer a few years ago, it took the writer five years to make. And it's not like it's a giant book, but now I'm kind of getting it. I remember, and I remember also judging him for that, which is probably you know, some shadow shit on my part. Oh, it's about <laughs> as clear as it gets. Like there are great books that took 12 years. Hey man, I have to say, people can't see this. The look of disdain that you just offered up <laughs> before you before you said it's, it's as clear as it gets that that hurt more than anything else <laughs> <laughs> that's an arrow that hit the mark that's what i'm talking about there it is man so yesterday you know, you know, yesterday a... you were like mm -hmm. dude you're by denying this artist self in you by denying you being an artist you're you are withholding what did you say exactly i said by by not calling yourself an artist and mm -hmm. thinking of yourself as an artist and knowing that fiction writing is clearly an art and you are a fiction writer, you're literally not being the thing that you want to be. Yeah. You know, you're not calling yourself the thing that you want to be. You're not, you're, you're, you're stopping yourself literally from being the thing you want to be just a label wise, you know, it's a little yeah. bit of an inner conflict. I feel because it seems to me like if, if you, in my opinion, you know, uh, ran with the artist that's an archetype in you that i feel like is unrepresented in this world yeah you know you have a lot of pieces in place in my observation this is my observation take it or leave it but like artist ronald i want to see like what what inviting that archetype into your life and and, and it, as it clearly wants to be there uh would do to the rest of your life i feel like it would fill, fill a slot that would blossom your personality even a little bit more it hurts. Uh, it hurts more today. You saying it than it did yesterday, but in a good way. It's the good kind of hurt, and I, I I'm challenged by it, man. I mean, I, I, you know, we've had you're the, you know, we had Ted Alexandro on, who his episode will come out soon. And um, my point about that is, is uh, he's an artist. He's a stand-up comedian, and and um, or hold on, I'm going to start over that. You know, I appreciate the challenge in this, and. I've been challenged by our guests. We've heard, you know, people have heard me been challenged and, and this is another one of those times. This is a, a, a stage in my life that I'm looking for those challenges. And every time I get called into one, it hurts. <laughs> cause I, cause I have to admit, I'm not, I'm not living up to the standard of my life that I want to live. And, and I'm not beating, I don't feel shame around that. It just, it's reality. Yeah. It's reality. And, and yeah. that feels actually like, okay, it's time to step into it. Brother, I've been doing the same thing. You know, when I say yeah. that to you, I, I think about how I'm doing that too. And, yeah. you know, there's all kinds of clothes that I, I'm starting to wear and ways that I speak and, and what I do with my time, you know, there, there's, there that have, <clears throat> that are happening now because I wasn't aligned enough with myself to feel good about doing them before, you know, yeah. and I, to be more specific, there's like, like the, the, the term artist is a great example. Like a lot of artists, you know, 
they express themselves in a lot of different ways through their their clothes, through their um, words, you know, and they might be a little eccentric. And I was afraid of being eccentric for a long time um, in, in some certain ways. And as I put the pieces together of my creative life and then the supportive pieces around like how I take care of my body and my mind and all that stuff, it's like, now I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, man, I'm ready. I can be eccentric and not be eccentric for the sake of being eccentric. This is actually an authentic expression of who yeah. I am. Let's have some fun. You know what I mean? Man, that's good, man. That's really. I'm curious good. what Megan will have to say about that. I am too. I'm excited about having her on. Let's let's uh, bring her in. <clears throat> Megan February, you are author of For Women Who Roar and a trauma informed book coach. You invite new and experienced women who know they have a story to write and publish it, find their voice, and heal in the process. You received your MA from the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology with an emphasis on the body is a storyteller. You are the creator of Book Year and founder of For Women Who Roar, through which you have taught embodiment and helped publish over a thousand <clears throat> over a thousand works of women. Your passion for narrative-focused trauma care and embodied storytelling began at a young age when through your own creative journey, you found that it wasn't about the end product, but the process of creating as a form of healing trauma. As an entrepreneur, podcaster, curator of multiple print publications, and leader of creative events, retreats, and panels, you have grown a global community of over 100,000 women, featuring authors such as Lisa Altman, Lisa Tadeo, and Nana Ghana. Megan, you believe in reconciling with the stories we've exiled, staying with the parts of ourselves we keep abandoning, and the potentially messy process at the heart of creative recovery. All right, Megan, welcome to Cutting for Sign. Thanks, guys. It was so weird to hear yourself um, reflected back, <laughs> but that's amazing. I, I sound really cool. <laughs> well, now that probably we are really cool. Just let way. that sink Let's in for a while. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. No, I love that last part too. Like of the of the um, you know healing the exiled stories and recalling them back. That's like I had to close my eyes and just like take that in because yeah, it's just so true that's what i <clears throat> what i do this work for so yeah you know at some point one of the things that um you know was really resonant uh resonating <clears throat> very aligned with where ronald and i are not only in our like not only our beliefs but where we're what we're value right now is we're working on a story with sam lamott actually which is how we got introduced to you uh, um, and we are working on a podcast series where uh, and the story is that it's literally going back in this exiled part of somebody and bringing that part back in but mm. it's unexpected and that part is bringing back not only all of its potential positive potential it's also bringing back pain anxiety like the challenging the reason it's exiled it's bringing that reason right back into the forefront and into mm. our, the, the character's face too and it ends up being the story of instead of oh, sweet, I just found my child. It's like, what the fuck am I going to do with this golem that is now like seemingly potentially destroying my life as well as offering me a real chance at transformation. Mm. But, so I love that that's, you know, that that, um, that was phrased that way uh, where I picked that line up about how you value exiled stories. Mm. I was curious if you could speak a little bit to that and maybe we can get that going in that direction. Mm. Oh man, well, I'm excited for this project y'all are up to. I, I saw that... Um... Yeah, Sam, I saw in his stories, y'all were a little hinting at something. And I was like, what was happening? This is really cool. Oh, it's nice. going to be rad. I'm, See, I'm it was... super stoked about what's happening. 
me and Ron are actually both going out. He's flying down to the Bay and we're going to go do another two or three day session with them around the, around the writing table. Oh yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, Oh man, Megan, you would love this. Like you would love, I was like, Oh, I'm so jealous. (laughs) Sounds awesome. Um, no, it's, that's amazing. And, um, yeah, I mean the exiled stories, like when you were talking about that, the first thing that came to me was, um, you know, like the whole internal family systems. I don't know if y'all are familiar. Yeah. 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 And, um, it, it's all about, you know, those parts work. It's really about reclaiming all the different, you know, ages of yourself that have been, you know, um, put aside. I like to think of them as, you know, I'm an artist. So I think of them as like being shelved and closeted a picture different places that they might live, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and an so interesting image on yeah, that. Can you I actually... think about those parts of myself too. Yeah. Keep going. Or yeah. Ahead, I was just curious, like not to lose your train of thought, but like what images do you come up with around that? That's awesome. That's a good question. Well, I mean, it just hit me, right? <clears throat> <laughs> like right then. Yeah. Um, but also in different work where I've done, I guess, parts work and, you know, working through dissociative, um, you know, issues in the past and struggles, mm-hmm. the work was um, seeing myself going back to a scene and seeing where this part of me this younger part and I I want to say with parts I want to just clarify that that I don't believe they're so much separate as they are just still they're here within us like they're not like other um it's just about befriending and reclaiming and drawing them back in like a sense of like we're not abandoning them. They're not separate than us. They're just right here. It's just that there's this wall that's been like, you know, cutting them off, you know, cutting us off. So some of the imagery, when y'all were saying that, I literally saw, I get an imagery imagery of addicts a lot. So I was seeing like, um, like a place up above, like that, you know, <laughs> kind of like a horror film. Like, oh, an attic in a house, not an addict living on a street with a needle. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. No, that's interesting too. Though. Uh, uh, maybe we should talk about it. Maybe things. that's my imagery. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, right. We all have their projected imagery. It's fascinating. Uh, no, no, but that's that's interesting for you. Yeah, no. Um, mine's an attic, like up in the space, and it feels a bit like a horror film. So, like, yeah. um, like you know, you have to pull the thing down, and you're like scared mm-hmm. to go up. But um, I see her, uh, and it would be her, and um, just in a different like part of the attic that's kind of up there and closed off kind of um, fetal in a corner so that's the first image that came to mind when y'all were speaking about exile um that's a place that she lives a lot and then another um place that I've seen myself um is I think of this this is like a real deep real fast but <laughs> um but I did this recovery retreat um back Oh God, it's probably been almost a decade ago. And um, it was healing for like um, sexual trauma and different work around that. And um, when I went through this, I was in a group program and you were asked to share a story, you know, about uh, as much as you could, right? About an experience that, you know, you were holding. And I completely like dissociated, I was like out of my body. And, uh, and in this experience, what was incredible was that I was taken to this, 
the only way I can describe it is like it was a dark room. Like again, it feels kind of like a horror story, but the room was completely black. Like it was completely black and there was just little me. Like and I was probably like, I mean, four or five, like really young in it. And um I just go up to her and like the whole scene was really about mothering myself and like caring for myself and like she was really scared and so I was holding her and you know actually not even holding her because I remember she was scared of like being touched so it was like just being there with her and like it was just an incredible powerful moment I actually believe that moment was the real key to this deep integration work that evolved from there you know like really began to feel more integrated and whole after that one experience I'm sure it was a collective experience but but anyway yeah those are the two yeah I guess scenes that come to mind for me is the attic and then the dark room um where I I met I was listening to a um just like brushing up on some of my uh, Jungian psychology terminology yesterday Cool. You know, we all make our choices around who we, the style of, of, of like people that we like to follow. And that guy mm-hmm. just works for me, you know, it, and I, I was listening to, um, uh, it was actually more of a biographical and it was talking about how in his life, you know, he wasn't a very good student and mm. surprising. And then something changed in, in his life where he goes, oh, fuck, I'm in. And then he became a great student and um, he dedicated his life to, to you know this thing human psychology and but more the exploration of his inner self you know of his emotions mm-hmm. beliefs values and then the mysteries below that you know that connects to other you know collectively to the human experience uh, mm-hmm. being in this body for millions and millions of years and I really had a moment yesterday where I go oh that's that's my path like I can lean into this, you know, Ron and I mm. both had a lean into it experience yesterday and we're, we're on our own journeys, but um, I'm kind of relating this to what you're talking about where mm. it's like, you have the things of, or in your life that you've kind of put some amount of effort into for some amount of time, maybe for a long time, but it's just been like, you touch base with it every year, you dive into it deeply for mm. a time, then it goes away. And then Ron and I are kind of in a place right now where we're starting to make choices and realize that some things that have been moons kind of like, orbiting us like roughly or comets passing are like mm. this is fucking ground on earth for me this is bedrock i need i need to live here you know mm. part of me all the time yeah. and we've been having this discussion around that's around being an artist that's around inner work that's around abandoned parts of ourselves. and it was really meaningful uh to mm. to get you scheduled today and we scheduled this a few weeks ago but then it happened to come right after a day for ron mm. and for me in particular that where we're just like really mm-hmm. leaning into a lot of the things that you've seemingly been leaning into and living in for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, leading others through in particular. And I think mm-hmm. that f- for me is is my fear of taking on a label or identity as an artist mm-hmm. and as a writer. Mm-hmm. Like I've been writing my whole life but mm. but really denying that um for me because it's uh my a ton of self-judgment around it mm. you know crazy amounts of self-judgment and crazy amounts of fear and uh mm. you know 
I think today, about this time, marks the two-year anniversary I heard of internal family systems. Mm. I had just led a, a men's retreat, um, a psychedelic retreat, actually up in Washington. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I had a psychologist there to be to like hold space just in case things got sideways. Okay. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and, um, and afterwards, I was like, dude, you know, what's your feedback on this? And he's like, um, he's like, have you heard of this, of this system? I was like, nope, don't have no idea what it is. And I, he goes, listen to it, go, go, go read the book. And I mm -hmm. downloaded the book. I, started, I had maybe a six hour drive home or something. And I, and I got through maybe a third of it is all <laughs> like, mm -hmm. it's a big book, mm -hmm. but the whole time, all I could kept thinking about was these abandoned parts of my life. And, mm -hmm. and in these last two years, I've had to go on these mini rescue missions first for like the child part of me who, mm -hmm. like you were saying is like somewhere in an attic. And that's, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's the only reoccurring theme in my life, in my dreams, in my mm -hmm. dreams is attic spaces. And, wow. and when you brought <laughs> that up, I was like, Oh shit, man. Like I suddenly all these attic spaces, like came back to my memory. Wow. I made a note for me. Stop crying. <laughs> I'm going to keep crying. <laughs> I know. I can't stop. Y'all, this keeps just happening. I've, I've like it. been in, I just have to say, because I'm yeah. loving this. It's so weird. Like I've been in conversations lately. I've done like a few podcasts lately. And yeah. then my client calls, like, I, it's just like this energetic release. I Love never it. cry. And it is so weird. I literally, I'm trying yeah. not, I like can't even control it. Okay, like it's my, so strange. Let like, it go. Let it go. I'll, yeah. I will too. Cause I, I, it oh, seems wow. like the only place I'm crying these days is on the podcast. So this is going to be a crying episode. Yeah. Okay. And, exactly. and, um, and then in the last, um, gosh, maybe, you know, two or three years, it has been rescuing the late teens, early twenties, part of me, young adult, right? Burgeoning adult who, who was um, called out in a good way, seen by a, um, a community college creative writing 101 professor, teacher. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if she was a professor. Mm -hmm. I remember she told me she uh, also sold furniture, you know, like at a furniture store. That's part of her job. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. But at the end of the semester, she pulled me aside and she's like, Hey, you know, this was like that scene in the movie. She's like, Hey kid, you got what it takes. Mm -hmm. And, and a part of me wanted to just completely believe her. Mm -hmm. And another part of me, um, immediately dismissed that. And, and because it didn't fit in my frame of how, I thought I needed to be accepted and, and so I just pushed it off to the side and it would like come back every, every, you know, few months, every few years as like the Loch Ness monster, just like surfaces for a brief second and you just see it out of the corner of your eye. And mm -hmm. by the time you look, it's gone and the water like is just barely rippling. And it was actually, um, a few years ago, uh, let's call it three and a half years ago. I think that time is right. When I was coming up on the Lent season, 
-hmm. and I'm not a practicing religious person by any means anymore. And yet the, the calendar still kind of inspires me sometime and the Lent season was calling me and, and, and I was thinking about what I, I think I was thinking I might need to stop smoking weed at the time. I think that's why I was like, <laughs> let's look at this for that. And instead what I got was instead of quitting something, I needed to do something. Mm. And, and in that doing, uh, I thought, shit, if I really believe in any kind of power that, that I label love and I don't love myself, then I'm really a liar. Mm. Like I actually am not, I'm not in congruence in, with myself or the world. And, and I'm like, how can I love myself? And the answer was write every day. And, mm -hmm. and I started writing every day and, and I had a pretty good run. And Daniel did, did me a huge favor and invited me into a writing group. And that was a great, got a lot of momentum. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then in the last year, I'd say I lost that momentum. And then really just in the last few weeks, we had Michael Poor as a guest who wrote, wrote a great book called reincarnation blues, probably my favorite book mm. I've read in the last year or so. And, um, just seeing this guy who, um, has a, who has a profession outside of writing mm. and is totally reconciled with his whole life and loves all of it is, is I was like, man, I, yeah. I have to give myself over even just a little a day to this. Like it's, yeah. it's self-care beyond anything, beyond anything for me. Mm. And, and so Daniel, you know, kind of called me out on that yesterday and, and, you know, like, it's like, that is the, <laughs> it's hard because I know it's true. And, and I know it's true more than I know it's true that like I'm a dad or, or that mm -hmm. I'm, I'm anything else, like any other label that I would want to, I like, hold on to as a as an identity in me and um and back to the parts thing is like really recognizing that that 20 something year old 20 year old me i don't even know if he was 21 yet yeah i think he was only 19 or 20 mm. i was like that's this older adolescent young adult that has been you know waiting and now he's like not waiting anymore he's doing and, um, you know, there's, yeah. I think one of the reasons that people don't do this other than it's subconscious work. So it's just a fucking pain in the ass. You know, you're like <laughs> trying to put a puzzle Word. together with your eyes closed. <laughs> it's hard. You know, it takes yeah. intuition. It takes faith. It takes chance. It takes bravery and courage and it takes luck and it takes community. It's just like, it's a big deal. And then yeah. you get the thing that you want. And that thing, when I say thing, I mean, part of your psyche the part mm. of your psyche is also like really fucking bummed that it's been mm. neglected and it feels yeah. resentful and regretful maybe about all the time that's passed. And then you got to take care of that. You mm. know? And, then, and it's all you, right? We're just using the metaphor of, yeah. of parts. But like, yeah. there's a lot of emotional confrontation that comes with the path of going and collecting parts of your life. The reward is fucking liberation. You know, mm. it's gold. Yeah. It's gold. Yeah. Good call, man. Got it. Good call. I, I wanted to read a quote from C.S. Lewis. I don't, I'm not like, <laughs> <laughs> the reason I, I want to read this is because I, because this, this returning to a part of our life first came to me with maybe within like 18 months of that, prof, you know, professor or teacher, whatever she was like saying this to me. And, and mm -hmm. it's out of a, it's out of the foreword of his book, The Great Divorce, 
mm-hmm. my favorite C.S. Lewis book. And, um, and I remember when I read this forward in school when I was in college and I read it and I threw it against the wall because I didn't want to believe what it said. Mm-hmm. And it was so confronting in me that I had to, that I had to like, you know, address unfinished things in my life. And, and here's what he says. He says, we're not living in a world where all roads are radii of a circle and where all, if followed long enough, will therefore draw gradually nearer and finally meet at the center. Rather in a world where every road after a few miles forks into two and each of those into two again, and at each fork you must make a decision. Even on the biological level, life is not like a river, but like a tree. Does not move towards unity, but away from it. And the creatures grow further apart as they increase in perfection. I do not think that all who choose ro- wrong roads perish, but their rescue consists of being put back on the right path. A sum can be put right, but only if by going back till you find the error and working it afresh from that point, never by simply going on. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I love that so much. And it makes me think about like when you were just talking about you use the word trust. I believe you use those word trust in as you were talking about writing. And again, so emotional. Um <laughs> but one of the things that's been coming up in my own process of writing, but also when I'm working with others, <clears throat> is this idea of abandonment and creative death that happens over and over again in our work as beings. <laughs> um, and I believe we're all creative at our core, that it is literally in our biology. It's who we are. And when that's why when we're children, right. And you, I, I know you have children, you know, you see them so alive in their creative self. Like they, they everything they do is magic. Right? <laughs> they jump on the bike, I'm the best bike rider in the world. I paint a picture. I'm going to be Picasso. The whole thing is magic. They are in love with what they want and love to create. It's who they are. And so much of the work, I really feel like is, is returning back to that, that, you know, younger self that just loved to make things and make the mess and had no zero judgment. No one tells a kid they're, well, maybe some people tell them they're bad. (laughs) Actually, that does happen. But the kid doesn't believe it until they're told that. And then all of a sudden they, they stop. The creative death begins. So, so much of our work really is about how do we restore trust and how do we reconcile and not abandon the, the self that wanted to be that writer that wants to not for the sake of fame maybe for fame whatever it doesn't even matter like for the sake of you just it makes you come alive and it's what it is right um so when i'm working with a lot of clients these days one of the things that i really encourage them towards is um developing that relationship of trust with our writing process so what does that mean like when you're talking about showing up daily or setting up this not even routine, like ritual, this experience for yourself that is cultivating trust so that Mm. when you show up, every time you show up, even if you don't want to, and you're just staring at the fucking blank page and you're just like, oh my God, why, why am I doing this? But you're, you're there and it's an act of presence with the page. It's an act of saying, all right, I'm here. I have no idea what's going to happen. 
It might be shit. Don't really agree with that, but whatever. I am here. And every time you do that and you show up, there is this restored faith, this restored act of trust in your creative self, in your writing. No matter what is whatever happens on the page is is that. But the fact that you show up is that restored trust in it. And that's the work of, you know, we hear about creative recovery. We hear about this stuff like that's the work. You just show up. You sit with it. Annie Dillard describes writing. It's in this great book, uh, The Writing Life. And she describes the writing process as if you're sitting with a dying friend. Like you're sitting with a dying friend. You know, yeah, you don't know what's gonna happen. I actually have a bookmark. Oh, I can I think I have a bookmark. You share it with you guys. It's That's gonna a blame great me. metaphor, gosh. I I love that when you know a good metaphor can connect two dots over here. You have oh, two man. interesting things, and then you got a third. Oh, that, was, that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I love it so much. Yeah, here it is. I do not so much write a book as sit up with it as with a dying friend. During visiting hours, I enter its room with dread and sympathy for its many disorders. I hold its hand and hope it will get better. This tender relationship can change in a twinkling. If you skip a visit or two, a work in progress will turn on you. A work in progress quickly becomes feral. It reverts to a wild state overnight. It is barely domesticated, a Mustang on which you must one day fasten a halter but which now you cannot catch. It is a lion you cage in your study. And as the work grows, it gets harder con- to control. It is a lion growing in strength and you must visit it every day and reassert your mastery over, over it. I love this part. If you skip a day, you are quite rightly afraid to open the door to its room. You enter its room with a bravera, holding a chair at the thing and shouting, Simba! It's <laughs> 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 so good. But I return back to this, this imagery all the time when we are writing, if we can approach our creative craft, our work, what is calling us as if we're sitting with a dying friend, we are there being present with it, like as this act of kindness, compassion, faith, like that is the work, you know? And if we can do that, then it's less about what it will be or confronting all those fear of like failure and la la la. It's literally just like, how can I be with this with this longing, with this part of myself that just aches to make this thing, whatever it is. And often we don't even know what it will be. Like, it's a mystery. <laughs> you, know, you, you had a another line in one of the bios that I drew from that said, uh, when we do catch up with ourselves, we will know the true meaning of home. Mm. You know? And I was like, you know, I work personally with a lot of imagery. I'm a painter. And so, you know, mm. I'm working finally I've found some some borders and uh, some boundaries and some, made some choices around um what I want the world I want to play in you know and mm. um home would be definitely one of the and, and finding your way home would definitely be a theme that I've been working in and um mm. I was curious if you could talk about a little bit about that particular little metaphor that you made <laughs> well the first thing that comes to my mind is and I think about this a lot with our writing and craft is um, the idea of prodigal and so much of the work of returning home, you know, is about like a prodigal son, you know, going back to that, you know, Jesus story or whatever. But like that's idea that you're a prodigal returning home after being away for a long time. And isn't that true for so much of us with our art, with our writing, with our, you know, dance, whatever it might be. 
our longing of, of like, oh, we wanted to be a vet, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. There is this sense of we leave it, we exile it, we go away. And then the, there's always this invitation of like, can you go back home? Like, can you return back to it as the prodigal, like son or daughter? Like, can you come back to it and be accepted into this, this space of like your original longing? Um, and that's a place I, I did return back to all the time. Cause I, I mean, I have my like cute typewriter over here. I like try to show up all the time. I'm trying to do the work. Like it's so hard. And I come into the same place. I'm asked to return every day. Will you, will you, <laughs> will you do the work? Will you be the one to show up with compassion? Will you sit with a dying friend? Will you be the prodigal? Like with all of your shame, come back home to the page. Will you do it even though you abandoned it for two fucking years, even though you talk about it? Like, you know, like, will you return? And so that's the thing that comes back to me. Like when you read that, it's just like, when I think home, I think prodigal. And I think prodigal, I think shame. I think, can we come, can we take the brave step to to show back up at the door of the house? Well, it's, it's funny <laughs> no. too. I, I just looked up the meaning of prodigal, which I didn't really know. Yeah. And it means to spend lavishly or, or give lavishly, to give or spend That's lavishly. Awesome. And I was like, it's like, yeah, you know, can huh. you create a space where you can give lavishly mm. to this part of yourself, you know? I didn't know it meant that. Yeah. I didn't know That's that either. That's really cool. Have you read the Henry Nouwen book on the prodigal son? Yeah. Yeah. A long time ago. It's been a while, but yeah. I love it. No, you'll, yeah. you'll like this, Daniel. So he, 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 he talks about Rembrandt. Uh, and his two paintings of the prodigal son, he's got two of them. And the first one he painted when like Rembrandt was at his height and he was like rock and roll Rembrandt, sex and drugs Rembrandt. And, and, <laughs> and, he, and, the, and the first painting was of the prodigal son at the height of his rock and roll life when he had left the family and was spending all the money on women and drink and all that stuff. And it's him in a bar or some seedy place drenched in women and drink and food. And his like head's like cocked back and he's laughing and he's just like at the top of it. And then the story arc of Rembrandt's life is that he actually lost all his money mm. and, and became like just an impoverished artisan and was like trying to sell his wares. His like his style had become out of out of um, um, uh, what is that called? Uh, you know, it just became unpopular mm. and he was trying really hard to like make money again. And somebody, and he talks somebody into commissioning another prodigal son. And in this one, he wrote, or I'm sorry, he painted of like this very poor and destitute person on his knees mm. being held by a father standing over him and holding him and welcoming mm. him home. And, and that's the story is like the welcoming home is lavish. Mm. And, and it's like, you didn't miss anything. Everything that you want has been here the whole time. Uh, you're going to be taken care of. You're going to be loved. You're going to be accepted. And and if I remember the story right, and I don't know if this is too cute of an ending, but I, if I remember the story right, Rembrandt was like welcomed home. Like he like it was like for him mm. a marking of his coming back into his his craft. Mm. And, what a, yeah. One thing I appreciate about that mm -hmm. story and is that he painted something that you know I don't know that wasn't what I expected you to say that he painted you know and it was a commission right and so. But that sounded like he he painted something that was very reflective of 
where and how he was you Big know time. at that moment yeah. and mm. i think in one stage of of artist of being an artist is is creating things that you are truly passionate about and truly are ex to some extent experiencing and i think it's easy that's a process you do that's a spectrum right you do that to a certain extent all through but like the more that a person in this case myself i can only speak for myself can do that fuck it's like i don't want to be anywhere else mm -hmm. and at yeah. this stage in my personal creative path if i'm not doing that i might as well be not painting you know mm -hmm. or not right whatever i'm doing yeah. it's that unfulfilling it's mm. like i and that's a green flag that's not negative it's like yeah. wow the stakes are high like i know the experience the worth that i have the value of the um, potential i have as an artist but it's getting in touch with um you know what's really going on in you you know mm -hmm. and then see and then creating that recreating that or, or like expressing that through an art and when those things align and it's just like that is no confusion about what where or when or what or any of those things like i'm fucking where i need to be doing what i need to be Dude, that's the fire that's yeah. the fire right there like you like that's when our work comes alive that's when we come alive that's when people want to like participate with our work whether <laughs> they buy your art or whatever yeah. like that's the thing like when we are producing and creating out of this like should space or the space of like well oh, this will be this will do really well or this will sell whatever like it's fine and it might be amazing like it might do well in that way but like are you dead inside? <laughs> like, do you feel like you sacrificed something? Like, you got to tune into that that fire. That's it. That's all. I think like. about creative projects as checking boxes, and there's a bunch of boxes that I want to check at the same time. You know, and some of those boxes are bigger, and some of those boxes are under a bigger box. You know, like they're not as important. But like, fuck, man. Like, if 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 I got to check them all, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like at this stage, and it's a good challenge, and it's a good challenge to like how can I make something beautiful? How can I make something that someone will want to spend money on? How mm -hmm. can I make something that's resonant of my true self? How can I make something that is pushing my technique along? Like, mm -hmm. how can I make something that I will actually enjoy? It's not going to be fucking stressful, you know, like, mm -hmm. the, you know, a, a certain amount of stress and challenge. That's, that's good. But when you're just grinding all the time, it's, you're not on the right. It's not, you know, something's missing and mm -hmm. i've like gotten really clear about those well not really clear i'm getting clear about those boxes and mm -hmm. making some choices around them and mm -hmm. one thing that i won't go on for a long time but one thing recently a little to put some specifics to this is you know i was uh doing paintings with space a lot and mm -hmm. sunsets and like beams of light it just comes naturally it's easy it fits who i how, how i am and who i am and then i was like you know, I got some challenge from some mentors and they were like, I think this, you could be better, you know, was the gist. And so mm -hmm. I was like, okay. And I went and thought about it and I like struggled here and there through a few months. And then I, long story short, landed on this uh, environment I wanted to paint. And it was going to be really easy to paint space and rays of sun and sunsets into this environment. But that environment, that would make it inauthentic to the place it was coming from because the mm -hmm. environment that this was in my mind was a place that was kind of overcast and it was kind of like limbo. It was kind of flat. But if you, I noticed if I worked these paintings long enough, they had a glow that would still come out of that. And I had to fight that temptation to put like rays of sun, you know, coming through because mm -hmm. that's flashing. That's beautiful. And I was yeah. like, fuck that. No, 
And then I just like doubled down and kept doing layers and layers. And I was like, I took one of these to a critique and I just, my eye kept like looking at it, you know, amongst mm. all these paintings. I was like, you fucking did it, you know, like, good job. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. <laughs> I love that so Man, much. And that process of, of fighting through our expectations and what we Oof. think we can't, we are or not. I mean, even as you're sitting here, you know, like I'm called, I know I'm, I'm like, I need to move into some spaces that are outside of my expectations and outside mm, of what I mm, well said. Know, think I need things to look like or feel like. And, and, and it's like, when I wrote it down, it's like on my to-do list for today. Like, <laughs> damn, mm-hmm. <laughs> here it goes. Okay. Well, that's such a cool way to put it, Ron, you know, to, mm. to move into some spaces outside of your expectations. That's mm. literally saying moving into the unknown and that, that's the creative path. That's change and growth. That's yeah. all the good things, you know, but mm. how do you support that? And, and, be ready for a grind, be ready for huge watersheds, you know, I think, mm. but just keep going is, is kind of my message to myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Tehran is like, you know, there that the animals out there keep cutting for sign. It's out there like mm. double down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the two things are coming up for me based one on what you said earlier, Megan, is that um, it is a process of regaining trust with ourself. And I've been mm-hmm. saying that for a long time. And, and trying to do that with myself <laughs> and, and mm. I think to some success in some ways, certain parts of my life, great, great success. And I think because writing means so much to me, um, it's the hardest part. And yet I know that like that writer part of myself, um, needs the most care and the most work on regaining that trust mm-hmm. and, and it's a, a brick at a time. Um, mm. And and the other thing is I'm realizing of what you're just saying, Daniel, is like as a dad, I know that watching my kids struggle with disappointment or struggle with um, a loss of expectations is because in their imagination, as it should be as children looking forward to something, their expectations are really high because their imaginations are so strong and mm-hmm. unfettered and there's nothing like that's broken that yet. And and um and when we uh, i actually totally just lost my train of thought <laughs> around that one it's like gone like I, <laughs> the clay the spinning wheels going and the clay just shot Megan off and I are like fucking leaning in we're like, we're like oh, what's ready for it Holy it's shit. gonna be happen <laughs> i kind of changed my mind no, yeah yeah speaking isn't the best thing for this you. is a part of myself i'm like leaning Every into just accepting Good thing. Here it is, Daniel. Here's here's go. Here's what goes back to what we were saying earlier when we whiff a draw, is is uh. So at the beginning of the conversation, before you join us, uh, Megan, is we have what's called the draw, and it's the it's the metaphorical part of the of getting ready to aim at what we're looking for. And I'm an archer. I I shoot pretty frequently, and I the draw is when you pull the string back and you settle into the moment. And you and you get your sight picture and you're looking at and you're focusing on where you want your arrow to go and mm. you kind of quiet your mind and allow the process to happen and and we were saying how easy it is to whiff a draw like you pull back you and you <laughs> rush the shot or you mm. or you get too excited and i've watched or not watched you can't really yeah because fucking daniel got the time wrong and we did the we did the uh draw a half hour too early and <laughs> thought that you weren't showing up and then oh, no. realized I had the draw the time right and then we were like let's draw again and 
it's okay, Ron. You can just no, uh, no, no. Let me finish this thought. Let me finish this thought. So the <laughs> so in in the in the discipline of archery, one of the best things you can do is to not let the arrow go, but to actually let it back down to hold the string and bring it back down and reset mm. yourself for a shot. So I'm just gonna. I'm, that's that's all this is. That's all this is for me. <laughs> Forgetting what you're going to say. Because <laughs> I just let yeah, the string awesome. down, just reset, it'll come back. You know, if it's worthy, you know it'll come back. Real quick, I have a question for you, Megan, but real quick, just one of the best little life hacks and life moves and little skills that I've personally like stumbled upon in the last couple of years and that works like a fucking charm is that when, and maybe you, you all use this, but when someone forgets what they're going to say, if you can just continue the conversation going in any way possible, like just keep talking mm. their brain would not put them on the spot. Like keep talking like it's going to go forward. Their brain will find it. Yeah. You know, if you could just, just get them to let go, their brain will find it. We, we, that happens all the time and it works every time. I feel totally. like my dog right now with my, with someone holding a ball and, and just like <laughs> waiting for you to throw it. Come on. Where's it going to go? <laughs> oh my God. I love it so much. This is going so many different directions and I'm like, so for it, there was something you said that like really landed for me. And now my mind's probably not going to be able to find yeah. it either, but it will. <laughs> um, oh, you're no. putting me on the spot and test my thing out. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, right. I like right. Yeah. Well, I was, I was kind of curious, like, one of the things I like to ask uh, personally that I'm just curious about with people in general is when they're, when they're really, really good at something and they're really far along their path, you know, you've helped over a thousand people get published or a thousand published works, you know, you have, you're, you're along, you're, you're a ways down the road is like, where do you still struggle in a way that you probably see beginners struggle? Like if there is a place that's sticky or challenging for you, do you have anything around that? For me or for what I'm witnessing in others? Or no, both? for you. For, for Megan February. Like in your process <laughs> as a writer, as an artist. You know? I mean, <laughs> so many sticky places. It's like literally a, an entire marshland of like sinking sand is all <laughs> of my creative process. Every step of like, oh, God, yeah. no, it's hard, right? Like I have to have like little, you know, twigs to pull up on so I don't sink. Um, no, I mean, there's a number of places that uh, the struggle gets real. Um, I think uh, one that's been pretty loud recently is the classical like imposter syndrome, you know, thing, um, mm. which is funny because I don't, I never really felt like that was really loud for me. I don't know. I always felt like that wasn't, I don't know, something that, that, felt like a real struggle for me. I, I felt like, okay, I have something unique to share. Like, it's fine. Like, blah, blah. But lately that has been getting pretty loud. So are you, are you in a transition, like a leveling up place or you, or you feel like you're. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You asked that. Yeah, that is it. And I think I'm leaning more into like a lot of what y'all are saying of trusting that I can also, uh, be a writer. Like I, I can be that myself. I can do this. Like, what if I do the thing that I want to help others do? Like, what if I put as much weight into that, you know, as I, as I put towards others. So I'm leveling up in terms of my desire for being the writer I want to be. And in that way, well, it's not surprising I talk to people about this all the time, but um, yeah, it's, the resistance is getting really real. 
Um, every reason in the world not to show up is there. Um, I get tired. I get like, literally like just get sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> it's time for me to that. write. And all of a sudden I'm like, that. I need a nap. <laughs> like, it's so annoying. And I'm like, nap or write, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, the, um, so I'd say the imposter syndrome has been pretty loud of like, do I have something you need to share? Somebody's already doing something like this. Like, is it worth it? Um, what do I have? You know, those classic kind of questions coming in. And then, um, and then in just the, the work of resistance used to be the, what was the loud blocker and it's not so much now, and it might be eventually when I start writing more personal work again, um, like personal story, like memoir, but it used to be the big block was, um, you know, can you write this? Like, can you write this honestly? Like, can you write this truthfully? That was the big block. Um, in terms of really completing something i have i still have a ton of unfinished works right um because it was there's a there's a uh, call for when you finish something to move forward <laughs> and you know share it <clears throat> if that's what you choose with the world um but there's also a grieving process when you finish something too that i that i'm, I'm pretty avoidant of endings um so do you mean yeah. do you mean when you say write something true do you mean that in the Hemingway sense of like one true sentence mm -hmm. I love that know? I love that or do you mean yeah. that in the sense that if I say this this could reveal something about myself or about reality that people don't want to hear and I don't know if I'm ready to do that I think it's more the latter yeah. um I think they're both kind of similar right I think there's a similar um similar call with both of those but yeah I'd say the second is is what's resonating um yeah am i ready for what that honesty and truth will invite for me and not just for me but for others and can i release the expectations and projections that will exist you know because and it, I say this all the time with my clients but it's true for myself too like everybody is when we write and when we read we're all projecting onto everything we're reading, everything. It, it So everybody's going to have an opinion about our work. Yeah. Like it is, it's impossible not to. And so there's a certain like amount of like, we have to release the attachment to whatever it's going to be and what people are going to think. And that's hard. Like the old wounding of like, you know, insecurity or whatever might be gets, gets louder. But like the moment you, you know, create the thing that, you're taking the risk on, you know? Um, That's what I was going to say earlier. Thank you for bringing this back and leaving that space, Daniel <laughs> and Megan for sharing. Just had to, just, me and Megan, we did a little sign and we were like, we need yeah. to go on about it's, circle back. It's the expectations part. I mean, I, I see that in my kids, like when they, the disappointment really sets in when their expectations aren't met and mm. when you have a strong imagination and the expectations become really high. And as a creative, as a writer, mm. Uh, you know, I'll, and I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again on the on here to keep myself honest about my reality is like I, I had an opportunity to write a, a, a screenplay for somebody who had some real pull in the world. And I did. Mm. And the, my expectation, my my uneducated, you know, childlike expectation at the time was, he's going to be blown away by this shit. He's, gonna, <laughs> he's just he's not even going to know what hit him. 
and mm-hmm. and uh, and I would share the pod, I would share the screenplay with people, and, and occasionally people would be like, "Oh, this is really good." Other people were like, "Cool," you know. And they'd give me like a couple <laughs> suggestions, and and I would just dismiss those things. And man, mm. when I, when he finally read, he's like, "Yo, great, let's do, it. let's write it again." And and that expectation mm. just crashed my reality in such a way that it just mm. took out the sails of like took the wind out of the sail of of momentum and and so now mm. both as a parent and uh, as reparenting myself and reparenting that part of me it's like okay let's have right-sized expectations and let's measure those expectations and not pretend and not allow those expectations to run wild in our mind when we don't know reality when we we have to understand that it could be different a lot different than we want that's a, yeah. Oh, sorry. That's a hard balance because like Landon, my husband and I will talk about this a lot, like, because sometimes we go through this, it's super negative, but like we brace ourselves. So like the worst case scenario, we always go walk through. So like we have this opportunity or whatever. And it's like, oh, let's, let's brace ourselves for the worst case scenario. And it's always like super bad. It's like, like, can we live on the street? We'd be cool homeless people. Like, I don't know. Like, we're like, we go there. Like, and it's like, okay. But so there's this balance of like, well, like, how do you, you know, manage the expectations without like, you know, yeah. taking yourself to this place of like, well, do we have to go that like far? Do we have to, mm, I don't know, take ourselves to this place of like complete disbelief in our in our abilities and stuff like it there's becomes a, a borderline there. spiritual discipline in the sense mm. that you have that like it's in the sense that it's like maybe i'm not lowering my expectations but maybe i'm not allowing an expectation to rule me mm. and yet you know you also it's like it's like a very zen experience because you then also have to go and i also want to have a high expectation of myself in the experience mm-hmm. and yet having an open hand about it all mm. and well, if we can admit, I think just like as a logic, kind of following the logic. What's going on? Yeah, just move your face to the microphone. Oh, sorry. Yeah, like, um, like you're a real podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> okay, okay. No. Um, wait, what was I going to say? Just kidding. Um, <clears throat> like, I think as a as a just a thread of logic, we can probably all agree that it is possible in any situation to come up with an expectation that is fucking way too high. Like, yeah, that is a thing. Anyone like you could be Stephen King and we could all pow out for five minutes and probably come up with something that would be impossible for that guy to do around writing. It's 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 okay. Mm. And so, you know, you know, part of the like reparenting and part of being a mature and adult is recognizing when when you are on that spectrum of expectation when this is just too high you're actually sabotaging yourself by creating that expectation mm-hmm. or this is too low you're, you're sabotaging by yourself yourself mm-hmm. by that that expectation you got to find that ground that you know ideally would be in that, that sweet spot you know it is a little feels a little bit out of reach you know mm-hmm. like you know david goggins is probably the like you know i think of that guy as like an archetype you know what we're talking about megan mm-hmm. david goggins mm-hmm. he's just like this insane human who was 300 pounds and long story short, like lost a hundred pounds in one in three months and became a Navy SEAL and like flipped Whoa. his life on a dime. And now he's a, literally like a national archetype for you think you can't do something. Trust me, you more than you can. And he oh, still man. regularly runs like ultra marathons. Like- I mean, he's just, but he, yeah. people think he goes a little far, but what he does, um, what he, I think represents very well is that 
part, that land, that area that you think is too far and out of reach mm -hmm. that you actually can get mm -hmm. you know, that part of our personality, which he kind of represents for me, will can push you into that. And so just finding those, those, those goals, like I'm mm -hmm. in one of those right now, you know, and not to go too long, but you know, I, I've finished four paintings in a month, I think two wow. or three times in my life. I've done that two or three times and I had an opportunity for a show that was in five weeks and I needed eight paintings ready. So to do eight paintings in five weeks from only having done four paintings in four weeks twice. And that was hard. That feels like a big task, you know, mm -hmm. but I like sat myself down. I looked at the calendar. I, I looked at the gear I had and I thought about the process, the project. And I was like, I can fucking do this. You mm -hmm. know? I know I can. Mm -hmm it's on, you know, and now I'm five paintings in with two weeks to go basically. And it's just like, okay, you know, so I think Ron, like when we're just talking about uh, expectations and things like that, you know, I'm curious, you know, mm -hmm. when you, when you, as you turn this corner and become more and, and, and accept that part of yourself that could be labeled a writer and, and more challengingly, maybe an artist, you know, when you get down and you set all your tools out on the, on the desk and you put your calendar out there and you start to create goals and projects and you like do the thing that Megan helps people do, right? I'm really curious what you're capable of. And I mm -hmm. bet it's more than you think. And I bet things will move faster than you think. In a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciate that, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. See that? Yeah. Mm, I love that. <laughs> I am. Um, I was literally picturing you uh, run like in that space, like right then, like in that, in your zone of like embracing that writer. I see all these books behind you. I think they're color coded, which they is are color coded. <laughs> I'm like, that is a specific personality. I, would I love it. I would love to take an ounce of uh, credit for it, but that was my wife. And, <laughs> Morgan. And, uh, but I, but what I'm learning is part of, part of my expectations and part of what, you know, that has to do with the color coding is like, is is accepting that um uh i didn't get supported for my brain type as a kid or as a mm. young adult i didn't know i had adhd so i was in my 30s my late 30s and and accepting that and loving that part of myself loving every part of myself that that struggles with that and um and and like the color-coded books it's like there's just certain ways i have to do life that make it easier easier for me to to deal with things and mm -hmm. um and i can't remember name like <laughs> Daniel and I, like part of part of my, my struggles, like I can't remember names very well, and mm -hmm. and I'll I'll always ask Daniel, you know, the name of somebody or the name of something, and he's like, "Damn it, Ronald!" Like he's, you know, it's funny because it comes off like a like a um, creativity, you know, because you'll you'll still throw a name out there, and sometimes I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's a good name." I like that. It's a good one. I love when people make up words. And actually, Megan, I was listening to your discussion with uh with Sam Lamott, and you I you did it, I think. And you didn't balk or like hesitate. What word did I make up? Well, I think it's a made up word. You said therapize. Oh yeah, I don't think that's a word. I you love know, making up like, words. Everyone knew yeah. what it meant. You didn't like make a moment out. I was like, fuck yeah, I yeah. love that. Like that's child childlike and creative you yeah. know what i mean yeah, yeah. i love that, that part of i like when time. someone takes a noun and turns into a verb and then and <laughs> we get it it's like yep that's the thing that's it. we should be using a, that <laughs> a yellow to orange flag for me when i'm hanging out with someone and then they go 
and you say something, they go, that's not a word. You know what I'm just saying? Uh-uh. No, no. Get out no. of here, Mr. No. Fun. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Give you a new name. No, you're out of here. Bye. <laughs> oh, I got Ron, I got a question for you. Yeah, man. To preempt, preempt a question. For mm. Can I ask a piece of advice on your behalf about your writing? Ron. Shit. You mean, okay. Yeah. Can yeah, I man. ask her a question yeah. on your behalf? Go ahead. Today? So thanks for asking. You have you have you have final cut on edit too. So you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this episode's only fifteen minutes long, guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's a shorty. And it's all Ron talking. <laughs> no, it's only Ron crying. <laughs> Ron and Megan crying in the beginning. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and Megan and Daniel like froze completely still, just like listening very intently. <laughs> so uh i lived a, a life as a writer for quite a while um and so i i feel like i've you know published a bunch of articles and things like that and did some playwriting and you know had a book deal at a, at a time that you know was a go and so i've, I've kind of lived a life there an adventure i didn't get anywhere near as far as you or as ron will but i put many years of my life into this and Ron's situation with a book right now is a little bit of a challenge. And I'm trying to think about how I would navigate it. Mm. And without going into details or, or like, you know, like sharing too much, he's basically got a project that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. It's a nebulous idea, but he's got a title. He has characters. It's very personal. He was in our writing group for a year. I mean, we had a writing group for a year. It had legs. He took the idea to a book. Uh, um, uh, what do they call when there's a, you know, where they, but, yeah, agent, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, he took it to a Willamette Writers Conference and mm. had three agents express interest, say, give me more. You know, it's it's a good idea. And awesome. he's a good writer. Mm. But it's also like this part of him, he, as we talk, he can't wait for it to be done so he can start something new, but he also doesn't have the new idea. So it's like you mm-hmm. have a, an idea that's nebulous and it's got baggage and it, maybe it's lost momentum, organization but you don't have a new idea but you want to go on to a new idea what would you do with all that and is that a fair question to ask for you ron um it's close it's really close and i and i have to and i have to out myself not for dramatic effect but to but to (laughs) keep myself honest about this Mm -hmm. this is a practice i'm really trying hard with in my life is the is is it was one one agent not three who wanted my stuff I did speak mm-hmm. with three agents. One was oh, like, God, that's just... not, that's not my bag. Another agent was like, um, I just remember she said like, don't compare yourself to the author that I mentioned that I compared myself to. She's like, don't do that. <laughs> that happened to be the greatest author. Yeah. The greatest America. living yeah. author. In, <laughs> and then the third, the third, uh, he's like, yeah, send me your stuff. Send me 30 pages. And I was mm-hmm. so stoked to do that 30 pages. And then there was this part of me that desperately does not want to be seen. Mm-hmm. that de- desperately wants to hide and it just did not just whiffed it like never sent that material through and mm-hmm. and i think i'm i think i'm fighting that wound right now in myself that's like it's self it's a self wound it's a it's something i did to myself and so i think my not to like overdo this metaphor but i think it's part of myself that is like was wounded so bad he didn't want to come back to the writer's table with that and mm-hmm. and um and i feel like this project is a project that needs to be completed i'm probably 200 pages into it and and 
Um, and more material is now coming back to me, material I was not expecting. Um, so there is something that wants to come back. Uh, but, the, but the question is, and I think to, to your point, Daniel, and thank you for bringing this up, is like, is at this point, all I'm doing is sitting down, I set a 25-minute timer, and I, and I just let the fucking duende come into me. Duende is an Italian word for like demon creativity. Mm. Um, and, and I write and I, it comes out and, but that's all I've got. And I'm not doing anything else. I'm not like trying to like put an outline together. I'm not trying to like, you know, and I've got these pieces, you know, in my folders of like the table of contents and all that. But at, at, at right now I know it's just these being honoring the 25 minutes, trying to build trust again. And, mm-hmm. and, awesome. um, so the, I guess the question really is, is like, how do I do that long enough? And then what's the next step? to mm. honor it, to create it, to, to at least put together a viable project to then shop again, you know, like start the process over of, of going to writers conferences and like trying to find an agent and, or, you know, you know, all that stuff. I don't even know the next step. I don't even know. Like I like can't even imagine. I mean, right now it's like go to <clears throat> college and take a writing, cl- writing class. Yeah. What do you think? Are you asking him or me? Yeah. Yeah. You. Man, well, first off, I have to say, uh, I feel I felt so deeply when you shared that, Ron, of just like uh, the heartbreak of it, of um, you know that that you know abandonment of of the thing you you've been that that you felt in the dream. Um, so I just want to say I felt that deeply, and. Um, that when you show up for the 25 minutes and I want to acknowledge like that is not a small thing like to make that space if you do that how often do you do that daily every day oh my god I mean dude like the repair like the repair of that rupture like that creative rupture is so incredible like I am so inspired by that that just relationship and care that you are giving for your voice and your writing. Um, I have a few questions for you about the project. One, when you're writing, are you working on the same one that you submitted to? Are you trying to finish this one? Is that what you're working on? That's a good question. Um, I am trying to finish it and it's, um, but the, but some new materials coming and I think it's part of part of the whole thing, but, I, but I'm not trying to go to the first 30 pages like the guy wanted and, and do that. This is, yeah. this is all like new material. That's definitely a part of it. Okay. So, um, one thing that I notice happens a lot is distraction and procrastination comes in a lot of different forms. And one of them is in the, the way of, um, researching things, oh, yeah. creating new outlines, a new book idea, whatever. And, it's beautiful, uh, but if it is asking yourself, why is this here now? Is it for the sake of is this is this current thing that I am working on? Is it asked? Is it being asked to put on that shelf, or is it or is this something that's coming through because I am once again being tempted to to draw away from finishing this thing that I that I've been asked to complete. I think it's really important to complete a cycle. And I say this from someone that 
avoids, as I mentioned earlier, endings. Yeah. Um, and so I would really prompt you to complete the thing before you start another thing. Um, that doesn't mean that the other thing's just sitting like forever and ever, I'm in over here. I encourage you to like dedicate a day for the new thing, like have a creative, like write it down, put it over here. It's a, it's coming up like, but to not put all of your energy into the thing so that it's abandoning the other, like, so, do, so specifically in this, do you mean mm -hmm. like go finish, go get a really tight first 30 pages? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I would you had an opportunity you had a person show interest and by the way even one agent like showing interest is a really incredible thing like it's not uncommon that you submit you know a query or you know to like 10 to 15 to 20 agents and they're all like nah not my jam like that's common so you the fact that you had even one show interest right off the bat is really incredible so um, I would definitely encourage you to tighten up, so like tighten up your 30 pages, get it going, like really land in that place of like feeling really, and again, you're not going to feel like confident, confident, <laughs> like yeah. the, the closer you get to submitting those pages, all of a sudden you're going to like recognize all the errors or the way it could be better, la, 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 but completing it to the degree that it feels finished enough, enough for you in this moment and then um taking the risk and submitting it back out you can still reach out to this person too i don't yeah. the hesitation there i don't know if there's um just a, a hesitation because it's been too long or uh, whatever but i would still reach out to this person and be like hey i met you blah 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 yeah. and they showed interest and so there these people are always looking for really incredible stories and good writing and and uh things that they know are, are going to appeal to people. So yeah, I would, I would really focus your energy on this, this project, this completing this thing and, um, and taking the risk on yourself and keep taking the risk like over and over and over again. And every time you do that, there is going to be something beautifully repaired in your creative life. Mm -hmm. Every time you risk that thing and every time you show back up to the thing that you left behind and you say ha ah, i did this you weep and you grieve over it and then you show back up again like that's the work it's repair yeah and, and Roland, i i and megan i'm curious what you think about this uh since you're the professional but i um you know the, the quote like really tight 30 pages ron mm. you haven't written the rough draft yet so yeah. you don't know the ending so when when she says really tight i i wouldn't you she's not in like yeah, yeah. kill yourself on it because you don't know how the thing ends and this is the beginning and those two things are going to relate at the very yeah. end project but like cleaning up you know so it reads nicely and it represents your writing they don't know the ending so it you know yeah. don't kill yourself over it but what do you think about that megan well so that gives me a little more context for it right so i would say it, in terms of the 30 pages, right? So you're thinking 30 pages is what you would send with a proposal, right? Out to a publisher. So one of the things that goes into the proposal for a traditional publisher is that they're going to want a, a annotated table of contents that's going to lay out the story of what this is going to be. If you don't know that yet, then, then, you know, it's not time because that is something that's going to have to be included. So 
if that's the case, that gives me a little more context, either giving your, like really refining and knowing where the story is going to go and writing that out for yourself, annotating it. And when I say annotating, I just mean like short summaries of each chapter. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So having that all done uh, and that can be a part of that proposal and all that good stuff with the 30 pages. Um, But if you don't know where that's going to go, then I would actually (laughs) wait everything we just said and focus hard on the story itself where is it going what's the direction where is it asking you to write and if you're one of those people because there are folks like this too that are they write and they don't know where the story is going to go you got to let the story write you if that's you 100 that's cool keep doing what you're doing and like just let the story be written all the way through and now with that what i'd say the hardship is giving yourself the patience and the time for that and that could be challenging that could be hard um because you're like ah but the pressure's on i need to do this thing um so i think you have two options there is one clarify where is this book going to go and annotate the table of contents write out that proposal wrap up the 30 first 30 pages let it be enough and submit it um, or just focus heads down on letting the story write you with what you're doing. I, I think, uh, I think getting back into writing every day, um, has been, uh, just regaining trust with myself, but mm-hmm. I, I, I've also been feeling in the back of my mind that it's also a way of hiding in, in a sense, in the, in the way that like I do I already have an, probably, 60% of a table of contents done and annotated. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm the reason I'm not the percentages and higher is I just haven't annotated the rest of it. And then I, and I'm just now beginning to land the plan of what, how I think this is going to end. Mm-hmm. And I think cool. I need to spend some time, Daniel, and I've been doing this as a practice for the story we're working on with Sam is like understanding the arcs of a story. And, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and I've known, and as we've been doing that, this, this, my story, right. My book has been, I'm like seeing the cycles in the back of my head and I like kind of writing those notes. Yeah. So I think that's part of, I think what I need to do is sit down and do that. Mm-hmm. Boy, did, did, I did not expect this. Mega, thank you. <laughs> oh yeah, no, totally. I'm so excited for you and for this energy towards your book. I can't, I would, like want to hear all the things. I'm so excited about it. Megan, he is a fucking awesome writer. He, <clears throat> he, oh, I want to read. He has this one skill, like writing has a lot of, you know, aspects to it. You can be really good at this and mm-hmm. not so good at this, right? You know what I mean? There's a lot of of different uh, skill sets within the the, the skill set of writing. Mm-hmm. But Ron does this one thing really, really well. And it's such a fucking pleasure because it, I think, is one of the most important things. And that is he can describe mundane things with mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in an interesting way, not in too crazy of a metaphor like he's trying to show off way mm-hmm. comes off really natural and also with embedded wisdom and mm-hmm. like the way he'll and i always give him shit for this in a very good way because he for some reason he can describe smoking like a motherfucker like, <laughs> he can fucking write i prop there's probably if you took all of his pages i've read there's probably 15 to 20 different little moments around smoking just mm. all the little holding and the ashtray and the the thing and the way it burns and it never comes off force. It's really honest. And I was like, the other day we met and I read another one of those and I was just like, like a head slap. I was like, this is so pleasurable to read. And awesome. I have zero tolerance for boring for boring reading. Just not no, that's not a good thing. Like it's 
it's a, a, a attention span thing that we're all mm-hmm. going through. Most of us are going through, but I'm just like, this is so delightful. And I was like, Ron, I think in your inner world, if it was a place, there is someone down there smoking mm-hmm. all the time. In the oh, undoubtedly, and just undoubtedly. With them, man. There's a full-time change. It's the addict. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? I fucking love smoking. Yeah. The yeah, act no. of it, and I don't like the cigarette. I don't like cigarette smell. I like how it smells afterwards, but like when I smoked, I loved it. Yeah, and... he has this part that he wrote in the last one where where <laughs> he talks about how the ashtray moves a little further away, mm. and and that's that's to show time passing as the person's smoking because you know, every time they push down, it goes like a half a centimeter further, just with the natural way we move objects and our effect on things. And I was like. Ron, you don't even understand how many boxes that checks in, in a story. You know? mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. And he has mm-hmm. all these like raw mm-hmm. talents in this. Mm-hmm. It's just like, dude, you got to keep doing this, Ron, because you yeah. have so much to offer. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you got to keep showing up. But like, that's the thing, right? The temptation is real, like to stop it. But God, dude, like, obviously you got yeah. like some gifts. So Well, it was really cool that when we talked the other day, I was like, what has it been bugging me about Ron's like, career and i was like oh, <laughs> all right, not, not in just, i needed to hear I, I, I will be honest this this season of my life is like hearing and owning the shit i don't want to hear and i'm about myself mm-hmm. well yes. even if that's like dude bro you are you're good you know and um mm-hmm. and but <clears throat> one of the things that was bugging me and i think this is really important for people who are on creative paths you know um is you can be really good at one thing People will see that one thing, call you a good painter, writer, whatever, but you are maybe don't have these other skill sets yeah. set. And so you're actually a terrible, you're not doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, go get those other skill sets, bring them up. And Ron and I were talking, and it's like, you know, Ron, I, I think you go to school, man, just like go mm-hmm. to basics. Yeah. And he doesn't have a lot of ego around this stuff. And he, mm-hmm. and we batted that, around, and he's seen me. Oh, do the I'm going to stop thing. you right there. I have an enormous ego around this stuff. And, mm-hmm. and well, you it's, hide it well. it's, I hide it well and it's internal. And I've like, you know, I mean, the kind of download I got earlier is like, go to fucking community college, Ronald. Like, don't, this mm-hmm. doesn't have, you don't have to fucking get into Stanford. You don't you have, have to, to like fancy. do this thing where you want to, you know, be obsessed with the recognition and, and all that stuff. And like, go take the most basic creative writing class I can do. Cause I, that has stopped me is like, I am good at a little bit of writing. And, and I'm really not good at a lot of writing in my mind and I need to get good at that. And what does that, what does that mean for you? Like, I'm curious, like when you're saying I'm going to go to school, I'm, I'm going to take this, what is it, where are you at now that yeah. that place would take you that, that, that you need that space to, to get you there? Based off what That's a good question. I, I think, I think, um, the dialogue, well, so I'll start here. Dialogue, dialogue is, is strange to me. I don't mm. even know how to format dialogue. I don't even, mm-hmm. I mean, like, like the format of my dialogue is, is like different on almost every chapter. I'm like, you know, this one, it looks like this because I think I read that instructor white the other day and which is sitting right next to me and I'm, but I'm not, you know, my brain type doesn't want to go look at that book and then decide like, this is, oh, this is how you format dialogue and then go back and fix my dialogue. Mm-hmm. And, and before I was like trying to be super cool guy, no punctuation, you know, <laughs> slaughterhouse of, of run on sentences and, and like no dialogue, <laughs> just, it was just u- ugly, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
because the writers I like are that are that way, but they're masters who had mastered the you know real uh, formatting beforehand. You know, Ron, I think what she's getting at is yeah. that is that in my opinion, you could get what you're looking for, which is community, basic education, accountability. You could get that from dedicating an hour a day to YouTube videos and reading about how to write. You could do that. Mm. You could also get it from a writing group. Masterclass. (laughs) Masterclass. And you could get it from a school, from from taking a class. Like, you know, like I'm with where I think where you're asking that question from Megan is Mm -hmm. that you don't need to go to school but school is one way that you could get the things that you need, which is some basic education, some community and some accountability and some inspiration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, which one of those paths like works for you? Like, yeah. and is, it works best for your life. Like, that's kind of what I think. Do, what do you think about that, Megan? I think, I think it's really easy for us to feel like we have to get to this, this place of arrival and expertise and such before we take the risk. And I think the real creative risk is when we do it before we're ready. And so I, I'd say, I think some of the best teachers, honestly, is surrounding ourselves as you are with your favorite books, sitting with the the work of Annie Dillard, per se, and you look at it and you take cues as if she's a mentor and she's sitting with you and go, how does she dialogue here? Man, I really need to, you know, mm-hmm. sitting, literally sitting with works and words as your teachers and mentors, taking cues, taking notes. I tell my clients all the time, like when you're sitting with a book, Look at it as a reader, read it as a reader, and then yeah. read back over the same paragraph as an editor, like for yourself. Like, mm-hmm. what are what are things you dig? What are things you don't? What are things you love? And then, like, I can't remember the Austin Cleon, whatever his name is, still like an artist, like take cues from the your favorites, right? Yeah. How do they play with structure? How do they play with metaphor? How do they set scenes up so that it feels alive, right? And you have everything you need within you and around you to get it going. I'd say just lean in, brace your community, right? Ask your friends. I mean, you're already doing this. Continue to show Dan your page, show somebody your pages every week. So show somebody your, you know, a new chapter every month, right? Like give yourself a timetable that feels good, not forced. Um, so that feels like really safe and, and inspiring for you. But to have somebody that will give you honest feedback on your work, um, but it's kind and compassionate, right? Um, and plus that'll get you to a different milestone, you know, every month um, yeah. to to meet this goal that you have set for yourself. That's all you know? for that. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm all yeah. about education too. But I'd say from what I'm hearing from you, the reasons you're giving, I'm just like, no, I mean, I think it would push you back. I think mm-hmm. I'd be worried that the perfection and all that kind of stuff and what I'm hearing there might keep you from really moving on and forward i think the community that embrace surrounding yourself with the the books and all these in some class like some just like master classes like that would be the inspiration but i don't i'd be worried that having like assignments and such might would put just push you back from the book itself um because because those assignments might not be to to write this story yeah yeah I mean, that's true. So one of the interesting things with Ron and I is that I, I returned to school uh, after like 15 years and it's worked like a fucking charm. And there's that voice in you where you're like, I don't need to go to school. Everything's, you know, that like um, goodwill hunting, you know, the, mm-hmm. the realization you could have gotten your whole $200,000 education for a dollar fifty in late charges at the, at the library. Fair. <laughs> yes, but good. like it was the right thing for me, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. And, but part of that was how can I work on the things I want to work on 
via assignments. Mm -hmm. And I did that by only taking painting classes, not taking a learning about art, you know, history and these other classes, just painting. And then also to, uh, communicating with the professor that I have projects that I want to, and long story short, I've been able to have it be incredibly supportive because I have a bunch of passionate people around me doing the same thing, asking questions, learning basics, learning intermediates, learning advanced. I have a professor who recognizes the like, cause Ron, you've got a lot to offer a lot more than a lot of 18 to 20 year olds, you know, professors fucking love that. They're going to give you extra attention and they're going to be so grateful you're there. You know, my, my point is making, there's a whole mm -hmm. argument. I think that where school can be the perfect thing and check all the boxes that you just can. mentioned. Mm -hmm. But Ron, she's right. It can also, the hoops, the time, the travel, the bandwidth, you know, the like potential assignments that aren't really like what you need. Like, that's a really good point too. So Yeah, I think both are, I think both are incredible, but I'm a big fan of creating your kind of own MFA experience, like a mixed bag based on like, what is it you're looking for? Okay, I want to understand more about dialogue. I want to create milestones so I can finish this book. I want to learn how to write a proposal. Mm. I want uh, a beta readers and an editor. You could literally set up an entire year for yourself with, okay, Q1, I'm going to get up on this class that's about dialogue. Okay, I already signed up, so I know I have this class coming up right? Uh, all right. In the winter, I'm going to be working with an editor to get feedback on these, this first like few chapters I got going and help me write a proposal or whatever, you know, like you set up all these things for a whole year. It's like setting up your own <laughs> experience based yeah. off like classes, community, well, editing, whatever. One of those things could be a community a college or Could a be. state college class. Definitely. Like one little class can be part of that yeah. too. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I'm so, in all, so. all about it. I that's went to so school so. like for, you know, therapy and like, that's what I studied and stuff. And yet I say like, I spent like a hundred thousand dollars on, you know, basically understanding my story as it, it just yeah. like, it was basically really, really yeah. expensive therapy. I don't regret it for a second. It led me to where I am. I didn't want to be a therapist. Like, no, definitely not. But I wanted to help people heal through storytelling and really tapping into this creative call, right? So I everything's on purpose, right? But just asking yourself why, what is the core reason? And, and is it getting you closer? Is it actually getting you closer to what you want, right? Or is it keeping you from it? If that, if that uh, you know, if the college thing is, then hell yeah, fucking I will literally send you some cash to go do it like let's go <laughs> yeah. like do the thing but if it's not then I'd say just keep keep writing those 25 pages tap into your friends and your network and let's go yeah. 25 minutes not 25 pages 25 minutes that'd be really <laughs> impressive be She's like, oh, I'd no, be no, like I'm not inspired anymore that <laughs> oh, is never mind disregard everything I said wait what <laughs> not 25 pages a day no that's yeah, intense I don't know who would be able, maybe the king maybe the king could do the 25 Stephen pages a day king? Stephen King does six pages a day that's, that's insane I it's mind-blowing like it's incredible I'm such a slow writer. <laughs> it's like yeah. wild. I know we're starting to kind of like wind down on time, but there's no, one, by too fast. one question I, I have for you. that uh, What is the difference between being on your creative journey, writing a story, doing all the things and doing all that with a trauma lens, trauma intention? 
How are those things different? Well, I don't think they're so different. Hmm. And I think the, when I encourage, um, you know, clients when I'm working with them and who I'm calling in the work with a lot of times is, is folks that are really interested in, in the healing process. And so when we come to our creative work, and this is totally for you guys, no matter in all your listeners, wherever you're coming from, when you're approaching your creativity, bringing in the categories of trauma-informed work to that space. For example, here are some examples. <laughs> um, like agency, you have choice. Like <laughs> run, exactly what we talked about. You have choice about what you what steps you take forward. Like what feels good for you? You you get to make the consensual decision about your creativity in this process. So bringing in choice to how you're writing this material, what you're writing, um, the timeline, right? Like giving yourself that space to show up in the way that feels encouraging and, and safe for your creative process. Otherwise, that's why people get really triggered in their creative journey. They feel pressed for time. They feel like, oh, this isn't good enough. All these things, we get triggered and we stop and you know, the, the, we face the creative death and we grieve and then we're re-traumatized by the grief of our creative death, right? So um, so bringing place of agency of choice for the writing, for the art that you're doing. Um, also uh, compassion, like showing compassion and kindness towards wherever you end up with that. Like, oh, you didn't show up that day for your 25 minutes? Lash, lash, like, yeah. no, man. Like, how do you show up with kindness and care um, for for the part of you that wasn't available? Yeah. And then you show up the next day with trust and 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 repair for for that notch for that no show, right? Um, another one is um, you know embodiment, right? So bringing your body into the page, like if you're writing and you're not even present for it, like. How do you, this is literally so simple. It's not like you have to do yoga and like, like serious, like Kundalini or something like before you're doing all this, like literally just put your feet on the floor or if your feet are like, if you're sitting cross-legged, feel your hips and, and butt against the chair, notice your body, um, have a candle, like smell things, embrace your senses. Not only is that going to bring you, your body and being to the moment, it's also going to make you a better writer. Because it's going to bring detail to the page. It's going to embrace that all the senses as you write, right? So those are just three categories. Um, but like community is a big one too. Safe community that you feel good about sharing your work with, about sharing your process and progress with. Um, there's a Judith Herman, uh, who's this, she wrote the book Trauma and Recovery. She's incredible. And she said that, um, you know, we're not meant to heal in isolation. We're meant to heal in community. Mm -hmm. And I believe that in our creative work. Um, but I also think there's incredible vulnerability about showing up. So, yeah, I don't think there's a separateness. I think trauma-informed work has to be in tandem with this process. If it's not, then it's often why we abandon it. It's often why we we don't finish the thing is because we don't have the practice in place that's going to feel supportive for the work that we want to produce. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's got to be a part of it. Got you. So you take, <clears throat> you take the living with, confronting, healing, and managing and accepting trauma experience to writing. Like yeah. you treat writing like you're treating a traumatic experience that's happened in your life. Of course. Why wouldn't we? 
It's the, 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 the word become flesh, right? Like it's literally our stories. It's the, it's the, whether they're stories we've told, whether they're stories or voices or words have been locked up inside the attic of our body, like we got to treat them as sacred things. So uh, how do we tend them with care? How do we give them space to be told? Um, whether they're, no matter the genre, whether it's fiction, whether it's poetry, whether whatever, like memoir, it doesn't matter. Like creating that safe space to put your words out there in the world, like that's the work, you know? Yeah. Man, I don't want this this conversation to end. <laughs> it's um, so good. <laughs> I want to say a big thanks to both of you because I didn't, um, I think, Daniel, thanks for not letting me hide. You got therapized. I sure did. You got therapized. <laughs> Therapist. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> Take two scoops of that any day. That was great. Yeah. Big Therapist. thanks to both of you guys. This is great. Megan, yeah. where can people find more about you and how do they can they follow you? And what's the best way to, to get into your stuff? Yeah, totally. They can um, find me on Instagram, Megan February. It's F E B U A R Y. So it's spelled a little funky, how we want to spell it. And then um and then yourbookgear.com is my site. Um, so they can definitely um, learn all the things. I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching, helping people through the process of writing their book. I do editing um, and helping people with proposals and the publishing process, all that good stuff. And it's all, as we talked about, through this lens of like creative care and creative recovery and helping people heal along the way. So um, that's awesome. So that's, yeah, there it is. Well, I got a little bit of healing today. Got a little bit of healing. Feels Yay, good. So me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I'm this so is thankful. Super good. Appreciate you coming back. It, it, appreciate you coming and and love to have you back at some point because this yeah, is, be awesome. I feel like we this every once and again, Daniel and I stumble up on a on a conversation that that is its own thing. It mm. just takes on its own life and 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 it's really life giving. Yeah. And when that yeah. happens, I want more. Yeah. Me too. This was Thank lovely, you. you guys. Thank yeah. you so much for spending time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, really good. Thank Thanks, you. Megan. Really nice to meet you. Nice to meet y'all too. I hope y'all have a beautiful day. You too. Thank Take you. care. Okay. Cheers. Welcome to the field dressing. Man, dude, that I felt um this was this felt like a gift to me and a gift I wasn't looking for and a gift I don't deserve. And thank you for insisting deserve. on it. And I, I don't know, I mean, it's, from? I mean, you know, part of my journey of, of working through low self-esteem in myself is not feeling worthy of receiving certain things. And, and I've worked, been working on that for probably five, six years and, and I'm getting better at it, uh, whether it's a gift or a compliment or an opportunity. And, um, and so um, this felt like a big gift and I had to like, I had to like buckle down and receive this gift. I had to really settle in and, and get it. Well, not I have you to, thanks for that, man. Thank you. No, yeah, man. And I, I, not to like, you know, put you on the spot too much, but I invite you to say right now that you do deserve it. <laughs> the old trick, the old, I mean, uh, I say that because I tell guys all the time to say, to look at themselves in the mirror and say that, <laughs> that they are worthy Oops. and that they like themselves. So That's I'm, okay. yeah, I am worthy of this. And I, I do deserve this gift of learning how to um, honor 
the artist and writer in me. And it's hard to say, and I, and I know you're 1000% right to do it. Well, maybe, maybe in your private time today, I know you, you really shine in, in, in a lot of areas. One of those areas that you're really strong is in your personal time and how you do the inner work. And, you know, I, you know, I don't do this very often. Like I don't like, like ask you to do something or something like that, but you, you and I have opened it up to be safe to do that. And, you know, maybe in your personal work sometime soon, you know, maybe saying that a few times around this conversation, you know, yeah, over and over or something like really finding the meaning. Because if you, if you off the cuff at the beginning of the field dressing, be like, this is something I didn't deserve, you know, it's like, if that's the way you really feel and you know that that can hold you back or that that's yeah. just not anything you would ever advise your son or your daughter. Yeah, or your family, 100%. Like, right. what the fuck, man? Like, let's, you know. Yeah. I mean, already almost, I'm like, that, that, you know, it feels gross to have said that. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, also, fuck it, man. Like, yeah. you know, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. Maybe it's yeah. at least it's honest, you know, so. Yeah. Shit, man. Thank you for that. I mean, I, I mean, I've, <laughs> this is one of those moments, you know, I mean, you and I, you know, you and I had a, had a great weekend together, working together, you know, working yeah. on this new project. And that was like this, that was a wake up call to me that, um, mm. this is this, you know, we're working on something that I, uh, on the kind of project I've wanted to work on my whole life and, or at least my whole adult life, you know, once I really started to wake up to the creative side of myself and, and as we've been doing this, I've been thinking and wondering in the back of my mind, like how, how am I going to bring the heat? same kind of heat, the same kind of intentionality to my, to my book. And, um, I was like, okay, well just right now, just keep plugging away in those 25 minute chunks. And, and I've been doing that steadily and, and it feels good. And I don't, and I feel like I have the bandwidth for it, but on today's, you know, conversation, like I, you know, I had two things that had come up for me, like, um, well, no, a lot of things, but, but the, the kind of like the things that I'm going to step in into action is, is, um one get up a little bit earlier and two like double the time and part of that time is writing down like what is, what do i need right now to complete the story and start to write down all the needs and i mean it's the fun i mean this is so in my blind spot man because i i i tell guys how to do this all the time for myself you know when i climbed half dome when i finally gave myself permission to go climb a big wall after 20 years of saying i was too afraid didn't have the didn't have what it takes, wasn't fit enough. I literally wrote a list of like, what do I need to climb a big wall? Mm-hmm. And I wrote down everything I knew how to do and everything I didn't know how to do. And then left another column for like things I didn't know I didn't know how to do, you know? And and I systematically went through those things. Mm-hmm. And, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, um, and so I think that's a great, I love bringing this part of my shadow into the light and yeah. it's not comfortable. And I want it, and the, but the more I talk about it, the more I do it, it is more comfortable. And, and holy smoke, so necessary. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's like, why have I been hold? It's like been trying to breathe with like something over my face. And like, finally, like, just like, you don't even have to hold that on your face anymore. You do not have to breathe through that, you know, like cloth with a hand on it and allow yourself to, to thrive in this even when it's hard. I'm so, I, I was so tempted during when we were talking about and I brought up the, the smoking scenes that you do to ask you to like read. read oh, Jesus. Because it, you know? <laughs> it's so good, man. Like I, I yeah. am, 
I, and if you want to do that, like do it, do it now for all I care. But like it, that thing that you, the way that you write is very refreshing, you know, because, and, and it's, it's something I don't do well. It's not my skill set, And, and, you know, I, it reminded me of when I read Stephen King's, uh, his book, um, the dark tower series. The first one was the gunslinger. And I remember reading that and I knew he had written it when he was 19 or 20. Yeah. But the way he fucking describes certain little mundane things, the way someone wears a shirt and how it like was opening up, you know, and then there would be not only a, a nice description that fit the story, but then there would be like this embedded wisdom that like, how the fuck do you become that observant in life by the age of 19? You know, like, yeah, it was just so beautiful. And it really made it fueled me through the pages. That mm -hmm. is another substance. It was like very good. Like, you know, you got food, right? And it's like, you want salt, fat, acid, umami, it was sweet, right. you want all the things. Yeah. And that's just one of the, it was umami, man. It was just the thing that makes you go, mm, like, loves your belly. Uh, I'll uh to to push myself because I don't want to read it. I will read it. I'll read I'll read a little part of it right oh, now. Yeah, I'll read oh, just yeah. that that um that <laughs> section, and uh, I think it's only three sentences. Hey, you have final edit, man. You can cut yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> He'd been sitting there for so long. His amber-colored glass ashtray was erupting with ash and crushed cigarette butts. There were a few other wrinkled and bent filters that had fallen out and a fine layer of dust in an oblong ring on the table next to his chair. Every time he extinguished his last cigarette, it scooched the ashtray a little further from him, leaving a trail like some wind-blown artifact on a dry lake bed. And that comes in context. That comes in like a scene. You know, that's just a yeah. little moment that like shows some time passing and shows character about who he is in certain ways. And then ident like that amber-colored ashtray is like, I know that ashtray. Oh, yeah. fucking ashtray, you know, that's a dated yeah. thing that dates into the 70s, 80s, you know, yeah. that's a very, that time is just, ah, man, learn Thanks, more, man. man, learn more, because you, yeah. got, you got a gift. Thank you. Appreciate it. Let's keep doing this. Let's keep, uh, I mean, I think what what I'm coming away with in this is like, I think we have room to keep using Cutting for Sign as a way to further our journey and to and to climb up higher. On the mountain where we're headed up and to find who we are and and i think i used to try to hide that a little bit in mm -hmm. the trying to make a product of like oh people want to hear this but i'm yeah at this point i don't really care <laughs> like, you know I think like if really... it's not for me then it's not for anybody this like yeah man that's quentin tarantino right there man yeah. he's the person he writes for if he can entertain himself he knows it's good i had this similar thought when we were talking today i was like i was like okay Ron and I need to lean into this metaphor that we've created. You know, yeah. you came up with that title cutting for sign and the instant I heard it, I was like a hundred percent. And yeah. then we got into the whys and wherefores. And I was like, you know, you talked about it a little bit today about the draw and the meaning of the draw, you know? And, and I was like, we need to do that more. We need, we need yeah. to, we need to talk about cutting for sign and what it means and how we do it and how we do it through this podcast more, because basically what we're doing is we're, living an intentional, meaningful life, you know, yeah. growth and, and movement and joy and togetherness and community. And all of that can be seen through that metaphor. Like we're doing right now, it's called the field dressing because yeah. we, you know, theoretically, you know, and I, I don't, I don't hunt, you know, I eat yeah. meat. So maybe I should yeah. hunt, 
Yeah. But like, you know, it, this is when we got an animal at our feet that, you know, like our life, like our past, it, it it's, it's cherished and precious and it, it yeah. Harvested it didn't with suffer integrity. And, yeah. And it's hard. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, we're looking at the thing now, you know, yeah. the life lived and, and how is it meaningful and how might it make us and help us be better and more aligned and, mm-hmm. and then, and then communicate that and help the world too, you know, and, and if nothing else, enjoyable, like, you know, when she said that she was inspired and surprised and really impressed that you write 25 minutes a day, I was like, damn, it must feel really good for Ron because like she's the pro and yeah. you are inspiring her by your integrity and action and consistency. Yeah, yeah. This was a, a great surprise of an episode. I mean, I loved I mean, you know, a few weeks ago when you're trying to book this and then and I was like, I was, I was on my way to an archery range. <laughs> So it all, cool. it, it's come full circle, man. Full that circle. That was a pleasure, man. Yeah. All right. Let's do it again. See you next time. Bye.